0: thank you brother ed for leading us in worship brother ray for that wonderful communion thought we really really appreciate you want to say good morning and welcome to the mission viejo church of christ what a great day to be in the house of the lord Amen? amen amen if you're visiting with us for the first time uh again we want to say this you are our honored guest and we're so thankful and excited that you're here with us today And uh, we want to let you know that you're always welcome to this church building whenever the doors are open. And we believe you've come to the right place this morning, because I don't think you'll find a finer church in the entire universe. Amen. So we have said this, I think, about three times now. I don't know if you can tell or not, but we are excited, excited, excited about George this morning. (laughs) He's back there shaking his head. Let me tell you a little bit more about George. Many of you, I don't know if you know this or not, but George has been struggling and dealing with cancer throughout, throughout his life. He's had surgeries on his brain. He's got scars to show it. So just recently, George uh, went into the doctor and the doctor said, we need to do some testing um, because we think you might have leukemia in, in the brain. George had been coming to our church continually. The church congregation here had been loving on him. Mark and Debbie, you guys are angels. And Saint, you guys know who you are. And and George said, you know, I need, to, I need to be baptized. Right now is the time. I don't know what my future holds. I'm afraid. I'm scared. So we baptized George uh, this Thursday. And he had a doctor's appointment the next day. And as he went into the doctor's appointment, he was supposed to get the results back of his test and his leukemia. And the doctor came in and he said, you know, George, we can't find any traces of leukemia in your body. As I got the email from Mark, I almost broke down and started crying. And I'm a man who doesn't wear his emotion on his sleeve. Okay? Yes. I'm a man's man. But we, I am just, I'm just moved this morning. I, I mean, I feel God's presence in this place this morning. It's awesome. It's powerful. So George, we're praying for you. He's got a long road ahead of him with other things, but we're excited and we're praying, praying for him. And Bo, you keep up the good work as well. Amen. Well, during the month of October, we have been spending our Sunday mornings thinking about the harvest. And we all know that this time of year is wonderful in California. Why? Because you can actually wear a jacket. Amen. So it's exciting, right? The other day it was cool outside. I woke up this morning; it looked like it rained a little bit. I said, "Ooh, winter!" Right? Even though next week it's going to be ninety. But hey, we need to enjoy it today. Uh, the, the The weather is changing. People are decorating their homes, right? So as you go around, you see these fall mementos everywhere, right? When you go to Starbucks, you get to have a pumpkin spice latte. Amen. I mean, it's exciting. And many of you, you you celebrate uh, this time of year by putting up spider webs and the orange and green lights. and, And it's just an exciting time. And I really, really appreciate this time, this time of year. And here at Mission Viejo, we're working our way through a sermon series entitled Bringing Heaven to Earth. And we're exploring four different harvesting principles. As we think about this time of year, we've been studying different harvesting principles. And in week one, you guys remember what we talked about. We talked about the principle of soil and how as disciples of Jesus Christ and sharing the gospel with people, we will encounter different types of soil or hearts within human beings and how they're going to be receptive to the Word. Last week, we talked about the responsibility Of the sower. If you're going to be a Christian, you have the responsibility of sharing love and the message of of Jesus with other people and revealing heaven to them. So, what is your responsibility? What does it look like? That was last week. And today, I thought we would spend our time talking about the seed, right? The seed. So, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to open up to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And I actually want to begin in verse number 9 and read through verse 13. So Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse number 9. Hebrews 4, starting in verse number 9. Follow along with me. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that none will perish by following their example of disobedience. Verse number 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts of, and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give an account. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. Hebrews 4.12 is one of those... uh, Church of Christ passages, right? If you grew up attending the Churches of Christ like I did, we would would have to memorize this verse, and we thought this verse was so powerful and so awesome. I've heard countless sermons and and, and sermon illustrations on, on this passage of Scripture, and this passage of Scripture, we know, speaks to the importance of following God's Word, or God's Word known as seed, right? God's Word is... The seed that the sower was spreading along the path in the parable of the sower, right? God's Word is powerful and important. And here in the beginning of Hebrews chapter 4, we see the author addressing something interesting. So to set the context, if you look at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 4, you see the author here talking about Jewish Adherence to the law, talking about Sabbath and talking about creation. And the Jewish Sabbath, as we know, was a day of rest for God's people, right? If you look at the Old Testament, that's what it talks about. And then he communicates something powerful. He says, Look, that Jewish Sabbath is now transforming under this Christian dispensation to help us to understand what heaven is going to look like. Heaven is a place. Of rest. We get to receive an eternal Sabbath, is what he's saying in this test, a rest from all of our labor and hardship in the flesh. And that's what we call heaven, a Sabbath, an eternal rest. And the way to enter into that promised land is through obedience to the Word of God or to the seed, Right? So what I want to do real quick before we, we get into some practical stuff is I want to spend some time exegeting or pulling out the understanding that we see in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12, okay? So if you're, if you're taking notes, by the way, in your bulletin this morning, you'll see a sermon note page or outline. Please feel free to pull that out and follow along with us, and you'll see some of our words highlighted in yellow. Thanks, Bo. She said the red is too hard to see. Look at that made it changed. Amen. Okay, so I want you to follow along with us. But I want, to, I want to look at this text, and I want to talk about two ways to exegete this passage, right? Uh, the Word of God as essential and the Word of God as essence, okay? So I want you to write that down. The Word of God as essential, the Word of God as an essence. There's two ways to pull out and exegete this passage. If you view the Word of God as essential, the author says then that the Word is alive and active. Have you spent time thinking about what that means? How is the Word of God alive and active? What does it mean? for the Word of God to be alive and active? Well, it means that the Word of God is so powerful that it seizes the conscience of a sinner by cutting him or her to the heart. You see, when you read the Bible, it transforms the human being on the inside every time that you read it. And and it's amazing to me how some people can say, you know, this Bible is super, super old. It's antiquated, it's dated, it's, it's like an artifact. But for those of us who actually read this scripture and try to obey what it says, we know that there is transforming power in this thing that we hold before us, right? And that's where we're so excited to share this book, this message with other people because we know what it can do. We know it's alive and it cuts to the heart every time that we read it The Bible also says that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, as a soldier, we usually don't use swords today, right? We use M4s, but we have bayonets that we attach to our weapons, amen? So I don't know what it's like to have a two-edged sword. But what I know about The Word of God is that it gives us the power to cut away evil in our lives and defend us from the attacks of Satan. That's what this Bible does, right? When we read it, we're able to cut away certain aspects and avenues in our character, our idiosyncrasies that we just don't like about ourselves and how we live. Sharper than a two-edged sword, it pierces into the innermost part of a human every time you read it and it helps us on the inside. You know, today we use a lot of ways and a lot of strategies to help us better ourselves on the inside, right? Some of y'all watch Dr. Phil, Amen. That's all right, right? Some 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 go to certain books and we look at psychology and this, that, or the other. The greatest book ever written to help us with our person on the inside is this thing right here. It's powerful if you want to learn how to deal with depression, open up your Bible. If you want to learn how to deal with marital problems, open up your Bible. If you want to learn how to deal with that coworker that just works your nerves every single time, open up the Bible. You want to raise your family in the right way? Open up your Bible. You're dealing with that addiction or that problem financially, open up the Bible, and it can help you because it pierces us on the inside. And then I love what it says here. As we view the word as essential, it says, it also is able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God helps us to understand how our thoughts impact our actions. And it also communicates to us what our motivation is behind our actions, all by reading this Bible. So if you want to know more about yourself, read this, and you'll be surprised what you learn, right? So if we view this text as the Word of God being essential, we would say all these things, right? But if we view this text as an essence, it's kind of different. And what I mean by essence is this. Uh, The second way to view this text is that the Word of God is Jesus Christ in the flesh. And we know that from John chapter 1 and verse number 14. The Word of God has become an essence or a being, right? And that's why the Scripture says here in John chapter 1 and verse number 14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. I love this passage. I love it. It's so powerful. It's so awesome. Jesus Christ is the Word of God or the seed, and He came down to live with us in the flesh. Jesus came down to show us what an active life of faith looks like. His teaching gave his disciples power. He was able to discern the thoughts and intents of the people and judge whether their motives were good or evil. And you guys remember countless passages in Scripture where where Jesus was able to get to the heart of people. Remember the story where uh, Jesus was being arrested, and the servants of the high priest and the soldiers came to arrest Jesus. You remember what Peter did, Oh, presumptuous Peter, took out his sword and chopped off the servant of the high priest's ear, remember? And you know what Jesus said to him? He didn't say, good job, you MMA fighter or you amazing, you know, special forces ranger. You know what he said? Put away your sword. What is wrong with you? And what he said is, you don't have the things of God in mind. But he was trying to protect Jesus. But Jesus was able to get to the core of what was really going on on the inside. And that's what makes the Word of God, that's what makes Jesus so powerful. He can get on the inside and really help us to figure out what's going on in here. Just not a temporary fix, but an eternal solution. It's powerful. And that's what makes the Word of God so amazing to me. So if you have your sermon outline, I want to do this this morning. And I want you guys to just kind of follow along with me and roll with me as as I really just continue to flesh this idea out of, of the Word of God or the seed being so powerful. So, so on your outline, we have a question that we posed this morning, and the question is this. I already touched on it a little bit, but now I want to go a little deeper, okay? And really ask the question, what makes the Word of God so powerful, or God's Word as the seed? What makes the seed so powerful, okay? So I want to dig a little deeper and try to flesh some of these things out, and hopefully you'll agree with me, and you can kind of understand where I'm coming from. First of all, what makes the Word of God, this thing that we read, so powerful, this seed, is that it gives us the perspective. Have you heard this saying before? I love the old saying that sometimes it's hard to see the forest amongst the trees. Is that how it goes? Is that right? Okay, good, good, good. It's hard to see the forest amongst the trees, meaning when you're in it, it's hard to see what's going on, right? Um, you know, it's, it's funny to me that uh, when I'm with my daughters, especially when they were a little younger, and I would take them out to eat or something like that, I would see a senior man come up to me. and He would say, son, you better enjoy them girls while they're young because they'll grow up so fast. And sometimes, you know, they would be fussing or fighting and complaining. And I'd be like, I can't wait for them to grow up, right? I never said that, Alayla. Don't believe that. That is not the truth, right? But what he would do is he was giving me perspective. And now that I look back, I almost have a teenager. I'm like, what is going on, <laughs> right? I love the Word of God because when we read it, we get perspective. A lot of times we, we struggle in life because we don't have perspective. We can't take a time out and look at it from a 20,000-foot view, right? We're in it, and we're going through the stuff, and we just don't, we don't have perspective but when we study the Word of God, it helps us to understand the greater human narrative and the story of God. You see, this world we live in belongs to Him, and He has a purpose for all of us if we can just get out of our own way. Am I right about it? You know, uh, many of you try to read through the Bible every year. I don't know how many of you are working on that right now. Uh, Brother Acosta does a good job of giving us, you know, charts to read to try to Read through the Bible. I remember the first time I read through the Bible. And you know, I grew up Church of Christ, so I figured I had already completed the Bible as I kind of read through various verses and memorized stuff. No, but this year I really opened up Genesis and I started in Genesis and read all the way to Revelation consecutively. I didn't break up right when I got bored on, on Leviticus, right? <laughs> right? Uh, so I read through the whole thing. And you know when I read through the Bible, what I gained from it was perspective. I said, man, we are messed up people. We say we want to follow God and then we turn our back on him and then we come back and then we go back around. And guess what? What I saw in that is that God still loves us and he will always forgive us if we choose to follow him. Oh, it's so amazing when you get that perspective. You realize that you're broken, and that you're messed up, but you serve an amazing God. who will always welcome you back. We get perspective. It's amazing. What else? What makes the Word of God so power, powerful? It gives, us, it gives us promises. And this is one of the things that gives me goosebumps when I read the Word of God. All these amazing promises in them that sometimes we just read right over and we neglect. And this is why I'm so excited to share the Word of God with people, the seed, because there are amazing promises in here. Uh, it contains a lot of promises. And I want to share a couple of promises that I've kind of read and thought about uh, as I was putting this sermon together, Um, one of the promises that we read about is that God will never lie to us or deceive us. For me, that's big, right? God will never lie to you or deceive you. Whatever he says goes. He'll never mess up. He'll never slip up. He's not trying to trick you. He's honest. He's trustworthy. His promise is he'll never lie to you or never deceive you. It's part of the reason why I'm a Christian today. What's another promise? Well, he always gives us this promise. He will forgive us if we turn to him. No matter how far we've gone off the deep end and no matter how badly we've messed up, if we repent and turn to him, the scripture said he is faithful and he will always forgive us no matter what we've done. It's amazing, right? What other promises? We have the promise of eternal life. God says, look, if you live faithfully you serve me, you get that Sabbath day's rest. You get eternal life. It's powerful. What other promises? Here's one that I love. He says, I promise that I will supply all of your needs. I want you to pay attention to that one. Supply all of your needs, right? Not your wants, but supply all of your needs. He'll always take care of us. That's a promise that we have from the Lord. What else? He says he will fill us with the Holy Spirit. That's a promise. There's another promise. He said he'll give us peace. It's an amazing promise. He says he will protect us, and he says he promises to give us wisdom when we approach him and ask him for wisdom. Those are promises that we have in the Bible. That's what makes this word so, so powerful, because I need some of these promises. And this is just a small list of promises. We can go on and on and read about all these different promises in the Word of God. God's promises will never fail us. Uh, It's the seed that we need to plant in the lives of the people, these promises. Um, I had a friend who, at a point in his life, was going through terrible, terrible stuff. Um, He got in a car accident, messed himself up really, really bad, messed up his back. During the same year, his mother passed away during that same year, he lost his job. He broke up with his girl. All these things started happening to him, and I'm like, have you ever met people like that? It seems like they have tragedy after tragedy after tragedy in their lives, and I remember talking to this friend, and I didn't know what to say to him. He was distraught. He was, he was crying. He was, he was just all messed up because it just seemed like everything was going wrong in his life, and you know, the one One promise that came to mind when I was thinking about what he was going through is we have this promise in Scripture that God says, I won't give you anything that you can't handle. So whatever you're experiencing, you're tough enough to handle it. And that's why God has you working through it. My goodness, right? The promises of God. What else? Well, I love the Word of God, the seed, because in the Word of God we get to see a pattern The Bible presents us with a purpose and a pattern on how to navigate the frailties of our human existence. Life is hard. Can I get an amen? (laughs) And we need guidance, and we need to learn how to live this life. And a lot of people like to follow patterns of people, right? They like to follow the pattern of successful wealthy people. If I just follow that pattern, I'll be good or they like to follow the pattern of popular people. That's why kids copy other kids in school because they want to be like that person, right? Or people like to follow the patterns of intelligent and smart people, and I think those are good patterns to follow, but I got a better pattern for you. I like to pattern myself after the greatest human being to ever walk the face of the earth, and his name is Jesus. That's who I want to pattern myself after, And what I love about the Bible so much is we get the pattern. He lived and walked among us, and he said, let me show you how to do this thing that we call life. And if we follow his pattern, my goodness, the Scripture says we can live life to the fullest and live it abundantly. And that's why this seed is so, so important. It's powerful. And then lastly, we get to read about what perseverance looks like. Um, <laughs> I was. I love. I love teaching my uh, my teen class. If you guys didn't know, uh, spread the word. I'm teaching the teen class in the morning. I've been doing it for it's a month and a half or so or something like that. And one. I'm okay. Where's Nicole? I'm not okay. One. When when one. Nicole. I, let me stop. Let me stop. I have Joseph Acosta in my class. Is he not in here? He's. I love Joseph Robert. I love your Joseph is amazing. He is. He's just the sweetest. You know, um, and I'm a Facebook stalker, right? Okay, so don't act like you guys aren't either. I'm a Facebook stalker. So I know last week that brother Acosta, Robert Acosta, was running a marathon, a half marathon, right? Half marathon. And I think a half marathon is what, 13 miles? Something like that. Um, and 13, something like that. I've never run one, you can tell. Amen. Um, but Joseph ran the half marathon with his father and if you didn't know joseph he runs like a 5 minute mile something like that i may be exaggerating just let me exaggerate preach, preach a story okay five, 3 minute mile it's amazing how quick this young man is right and i talked to him all the time and i said well, well you're you're a fast mile runner how did you do the marathon this morning he said it was horrible right he said it was horrible. He said if I didn't have my dad there to help me and my brother there to help me, and, and, and if I didn't train and, and, and pace myself in this journey, it wasn't a sprint. It was a longer race. It's hard for me. So I had to, I had to learn how to, run, how to run this race. It takes perseverance, right? What I love about the Word of God is the Word of God teaches us how to run this race that we call life. And what we realize is that life is not a sprint. It is a double marathon. Amen. It's long, it's arduous, it's hard, it's difficult. And there have been times in my life where I didn't know how to get through a difficult situation. But when I read the Word of God, it taught me how to persevere, it showed me how to endure. And as you read the Word of God and you live life long enough, you learn to become stronger, stronger, and stronger, and have more and more endurance. And that's what you need in this life to survive, endurance. And you get that from the Word of God. That's what makes the Word of God or the seed so powerful. This morning, I want to close with some practical application, amen, like I do every Sunday. So we've been talking about the Word of God, the seed, and what makes it so powerful. And uh. I love this last passage of Scripture because I think it's going to guide us in our practical application this week, okay? Uh, What makes the Word of God so powerful? I want to end with this text right here. It is Psalm 119, 129 through 30. I love this text. And this is the text I want to end with this morning. Your statutes are wonderful. Therefore, I obey them. The unfolding of your words... Gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. The unfolding of your words. The unfolding of your words. So, practically, this week, I want to talk about how you can bring heaven to earth and to share the seed by unfolding God's word, okay? So, I'm going to give you three, three examples three things that you can do this week, and I want you to write these down because I think they will tremendously, tremendously bless your life. So uh, Billy Allman, my my, <laughs> my favorite call and response, brother, amen, um, wrote me an email, uh, I want to say two weeks ago, and, and he really listens to the sermons, right? And he always poses difficult questions after the sermons, right? So he, he, he emailed me last week. He said, Jason, I was listening to your sermon. I want to know how do you share the gospel with an unbeliever? Right? And I thought that was a very phenomenal and powerful question, especially knowing uh, Billy's background and how he's kind of new to our fellowship here. You've been here for like a year now, it seems like longer than that, but he's been here and he's somewhat new and he's asking these questions, and I thought it was powerful. And, and I looked at the email and then I forgot to respond for like two weeks, but I got back to you. I don't know if you saw it yet. Um, But it it made me really process, you know, well, how do we do this thing? How do we share the seed with unbelievers? Because it's easy to share it amongst ourselves, right? But when it comes to unbelievers, how do we share the seed? Well, here's what I want to tell you to do. The first way that you can share this seed this week is I want you to share one of the promises of God with a friend or family member or neighbor. Just share the promise. Share one of the promises that you read about in the Bible. For example, you're talking to a friend or a colleague or coworker or, or neighbor, and they're talking to you, and, and you can just say something like this, it's amazing that God will supply all your needs. They go, what? What did you just say? Or you can say something like this, it's amazing that God will give you peace. And you can say that with confidence because that's a promise of God, and that changes people's kind of thought process and mentality for a moment. Try it this week. I would encourage you to share one of the promises of God with someone, right? Uh, Here's number two. This is going to be tough for us Church of Christ folk. It's tough for me. I had to battle through this one, okay? Here we go. Point number two is this. I want you to share a biblical principle without quoting the Bible. Ooh, that's tough, right? Why? Because we quote quote Scripture like the best. We're so good, aren't we? We know the Word, and we can give you a book, chapter, and verse, right? But I want you to be able to share a story of Scripture without quoting the Bible. I'm going to tell you why here in a moment. This, some of you all are looking at me crazy. Don't throw your song, books or Bibles at me. Just give me a second, right? Share a biblical principle without quoting the Bible. For example, you can use the story of the rich young ruler, but share it in a different way. And what you can say about the rich young ruler is, look, a person gains more by the more they're able to give up. You just shared the story of the rich young ruler, didn't you? And, and someone might say, wow, that's super profound. You should write a book. And you're like, it's in the Bible, but, I, you know, uh, that's what happens when you share biblical principles and people don't know it's in Scripture. They go, man, where'd you get that, right? That was amazing. And you can just laugh and say, that, that's all in God's Word. So that's one way you can do that. I would encourage you to read a Bible story this week and figure out how to reframe it and restate it without quoting the scripture. And the reason why I say this, sometimes quoting scripture turns people away. You know how I know? Because I'm a subject matter expert at quoting scripture at people. Right? I have friends and family member. Well, you know the Bible says in Hebrews chapter four and verse number thirteen, they go, Oh, here we go. I'm getting a sermon. And they automatically shut you off. Right? But if you say it in a different way, they go, Oh man, who said that? Dr. Phil? Was that Oprah? Who was that? And you're like, No, that's Jesus. right <laughs> It's Jesus, right? And then lastly, I want to leave you with this. This is something that uh, was, was really neat that I learned about this week. So I was up at Pepperdine this week. I, I just completed uh, a program in, in pastoral leadership at, at Pepperdine on Wednesday, right? And when I was there, uh, we had these nonprofit groups come out and share uh, some ways that churches can get involved in sharing the gospel in new creative ways. Uh, how many of you, by a show of hands, have heard of Let's Start Talking? Have you ever heard of that? Okay, put them down. That's about 30% of our congregation. Um, Let's Start Talking is a program that some Church of Christ folk back in the day made up as a way to teach people English by using the Bible, right? So listen to what I'm going to do. I just told you not to quote any scripture, but now I'm going to tell you to use the Bible, right? So just bear, bear with me. I'm going to follow along with me, okay? Okay. Um, there's a new program called Friends Speak. Write, write this web address down www.friendspeak.org. Write that down. I love this ministry, it's awesome, it's powerful. Um, it's a great program uh, that teaches a person English by using the Bible. And if you live in Southern California enough, chances are you've encountered somebody, you have a friend or or something coworker that that wants to learn English or is having trouble learning the English language. This is a program where you can get online and they give you a packet, they give you a printouts, all kind of stuff, and they give you this material and you sit down with one or two people in a small group and you use the Bible in order to teach people English, right? For me, it would probably be a problem the reason why cuz I want to I want to share I want to baptize you use I want to flip to the Bible and show you exactly what it says and then, but that's not the design for this program. All you're doing is using the Bible to teach people English. And what they say is and I love this and I think this is so right. The word of God is powerful and stand enough alone to just change somebody's heart just by reading it without you giving your color commentary on it, right? So if someone is just reading the word with you, that seed gets in there. And their life is changed by you just sitting down and teaching them English by using the Bible. So those are three things that I want you to kind of think through or work on this week, right? Share a promise with somebody this week. Share a biblical principle without quoting the Bible. And then do the exact opposite of what I just told you to do in item two. Use the Bible to teach somebody English. <laughs> How you like that one? Well, that's the sermon this morning. So uh, if there is anyone here this morning that needs to respond to the message... We've got a song of invitation selected. We would invite you to come forward. We'll pray with you and pray for you. Maybe you want to learn how to share the Word of God more effectively. Maybe you haven't been sowing the seed. Maybe you've been selfish with this thing. People need to hear this. Your neighbors, your friends, your family members need to hear this. We have this life-changing power right here, and we need to spread this seed. Maybe you haven't been doing that this week or haven't been doing that lately. We'll pray with you, pray for you to help you do a better job with that. Maybe there's someone here this morning that is not a Christian and you want to give your life to the Lord. You have the opportunity to come to Jesus today. We'll baptize you in water and you can be added to the church and be a faithful member. And you can be well on your way to receiving that Sabbath day's rest. So whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing the song of invitation?